0: Welcome, here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Father, we're in this moment right now, basking in the presence of Jesus. It's so good that we can come here today, and just be in your presence, God. It's so good to know that when we leave this place, our sin will not separate us from you. You make a promise, a promise that no one else we know can keep, that you will not leave, you will not forsake, and in this very Sensitive moment, God, some of us are feeling the weight of 2016. The burdens of life have come around us and weighed heavily on us. And it is in this moment and in this time we need to sense your power and your presence. God, we right now, we want more of you, God. God, we know that that would mean it means less of us. And so, God, we come into this place just wanting you. Oh God, if we could just get our minds in this moment to just block out all the different tensions and burdens and all the different distractions and just Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. Oh God, I remember singing that song when I was a young man that kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there is something about that name, Jesus. Father, right now, press in to us, God. As we press into you, press into us and change us, God. Father, we have come here, some have come here wanting 2016 to be the last year they've been living a double life they want to put much of the old self in the grave God and some have come here and they have seen so much hurt and there has been so much pain from this past year and they just want to put this year to an end Holy Spirit would you speak into the multitude of situations in this room. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would carry my words to the heart of the broken and carry my words to the heart of the proud and break the proud and build up the broken, God, and speak to all of us so that when we walk away from this place, we know it was you. It was you. It wasn't man. It was you. Because men can't change men. We need God, our creator. We need you to Make us again. Make us whole again, God, a fresh touch. Give us a fresh touch, God. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, Amen. you can be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you for being here today. It's just good to be able to worship God, good to be able to sing. Just enjoy the Lord, you know, and um, you talk about coming to the end of a year and you evaluate that year, and sometimes it just causes you to worship to think about all you've been through and all you've thought about, all that has just happened. Some of you have suffered loss, some of you are reevaluating this year. And so, however, you came into today, we all know that this is a time of the year when we're thinking through what has been, and we're looking towards what will be. You know, as a person who lives in this city, there's a very good chance you've come to this city or you're here because you've wanted to make an impact. You've wanted to see lives change. You've wanted to see people be different because of the work of Christ in your life or the work you have in an industry, but you want to make some kind of impact. And you've sat back and maybe reevaluated your goals or attempted to set new ones. But you know, regardless of how religious you may think you may be, or not, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you don't know the Lord, but it is a factual statement that Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the most impactful person this world has ever seen. Straight up. He had the greatest impact of any human in history. More books about Jesus has been written about about him than any other person that there's ever been. There have been universities that have been started by his people, hundreds of them, and not just any university, we're talking Yale, and Princeton, and Harvard, and Oxford, and Dartmouth, and Columbia, all these, stu- these schools started by Christians. Governments have set their entire framework of their democracy around the words of Jesus. Ethics and morality, much of our ethical base and moral compass come often from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus elevated women to a place they had never been because at the time women were in a caste system below a slave and Jesus elevated them. And then when you think about time, when you think about time, there was a time in this world when everyone worked on a different dating system and There was a time a a guy named Charlemagne raised up and and he decided to put time on one basis. The basis of time and dating came around one moment in history and it was the birth of Jesus Christ. And that's why there is B.C., before Christ, and A.D., Anno Domini, which is the year of our Lord. What he was saying and what the entire world has agreed upon, at least via the date, is that the birth of Jesus Christ was the most pivotal point in human history. You think about that as we come to the end of this year and we want to worship the name of Jesus and we want to celebrate his birth. But you think, how did he make such an impact? How is it that people are going and getting presents this year and thinking about all the great things they can do and some people aren't even thinking about Jesus, they're just doing Christmas things and, But his, his life still has this reverberating effect today. How did he do it? One of the powerful things about Jesus wasn't just his ability to accomplish things. Jesus was the most impactful person this world has ever seen because Jesus fully knew who he was and why he came. He knew why he existed and he had resolve based upon his identity. You see, as you evaluate and reevaluate, you're thinking about the things you did. One of the things you need to look at is who you are and who you think you are. You need to look at the root of your identity. Who are you? Whose are you? Why are you here? What is the purpose of your design? Because once you get beyond all the activity, it gets rooted in the why. Why am I on earth? And who do I serve? Jesus Christ of Nazareth was able to answer that with clarity and it was his clarity and focus that led to his impact on the world. This year, as we go into a series looking at the name of Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, and we'll talk about that next week. But I actually want to examine the name of Jesus and how the name of Jesus actually led to his understanding of who he was. Matthew chapter 18, verse one, uh, verse that Matthew one, verse 18, starts out with the birth of Jesus. It says, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being, a, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, this is a pretty fascinating moment here because when Joseph found out that Mary was having a baby and he had nothing to do with that because they were in the betrothal period, meaning they were engaged and they had not had sex, and she comes home and she says, yo, I'm pregnant. And he's like, how? And she's like, by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't even say they had a conversation. He's like, how can I get a divorce? Like, he just immediately... <laughs> He was like, yeah, this is over, and so we're moving on. And so he, the only thing he was wrestling with was, how do I not put her to shame? How do I not put her out there? You know, I don't want people saying bad things about her. Like, he wasn't thinking God's up to something. (laughs) He was like, this is done, right? So you look here, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to move on. You look at the next few verses, though. But (laughs) the intervention of the Lord the angel, there was an angel that spoke to Mary, but there's an angel that spoke to Joseph too. And it says, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There could be an offense from Joseph. He could be offended. I mean, in verse 25 later, we don't have it up there, but it says that he named him Jesus, and he ended up not messing with Mary, and they had the baby, and it was great. But you, you see the things that God took from him. One, he had nothing to do with his firstborn, physically. And this we already know. This is the thing we talk about. We say, oh, well, you know, Joseph wasn't involved because the Holy Spirit gave birth to the child. He was the one that impregnated her. And so he could be offended by that. But there is actually something deeper that happened, even a bit more offensive, because the man was the one that would name the child. He was the one that would place a stamp on that child as a picture of his authority on that child's life. Interestingly enough, he's told, you're not even gonna name him. Back away, I'll name him. And so, Joseph ain't got nothing to do with nothing. He's raising this child, he's not naming this child, and the Lord is making something very clear. This is not yours. He is the son of God, not the son of Joseph. He names him. One of the things, uh, uh, an author, Tim Keller, is a pastor in, uh, in, in Manhattan, and uh, he, he talks about naming quite often and some of the history of naming in the Bible, and I find it powerful for where we're at at the end of the year to think through the power of naming and what it means in the scriptures. You remember the story of God in the garden and Adam? You remember there was a point in the story where Adam brought the animals, or God brought the animals to Adam, remember that? And He tells them, name them. Now, why does God tell Adam to name the animals? Did God, Run out of names. You run out of creativity. It was like, man, you know, Adam, help me out here. Brainstorming session. No wrong answers. (laughs) Or Or was God doing something? I want you to name these animals because I'm giving you responsibility over them. And by naming them, you will intrinsically have authority over them. So I want you to name them. And so naming a child, naming animals was indicative of your authoritative rule over that animal or that child's life. This is why when your mama get mad, she calls you by what? Your full name. James Terry Roberson III. Get down here. And what she was saying is, I own all of you. I named all of you, all of you is mine. And it makes you perk up because you know that's not what you normally call me, right? So she's giving this sense of authority. When you name something, it says it's put my design on it. Joseph couldn't name him. but The other aspect of naming in in the Bible was not just the the authority of the name, but it was also the content of the name. The name itself was often a picture of what your parents wanted you to be. So in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, all names have meaning. Now our culture has changed, praise God. Names don't always have meanings, no shade on anybody's name. But our names today are, they, they, they are, tend to be based upon sound, right? Or they can be based upon some movie character or something like that or whatever your mama did. But the point is, is that naming is not the same, right? Naming comes from how you feel and whatever you want to name them. But at this time, naming was prophetic. It was what I want you to be. interesting, because the core of Jesus' name far too often isn't talked about enough. Jesus, the name Jesus, in you have to look back at the Hebrew, the Hebrew name of Jesus is Yeshua, and some of you have probably heard that before. Now, Yeshua, when it's translated from Hebrew to English, is Joshua. But when you take Yeshua and you translate it into the Greek, it's like Isos. It, it comes out like that. So when you translate it from Hebrew to Greek to English, it comes out Jesus. So, it, so the name has been Hellenized or Greekized. That's why you say Jesus, but in the Hebrew, it would be Yeshua. And so Yeshua is his Hebrew name. So they were yelling the name Yeshua when they would see the Jesus we know. And Yeshua, the the name Yeshua breaks down into two parts. Ye, Y-E, Shua, S-H-U-A, Yeshua, Yah, the Lord, Shua, saves. The Lord saves Jesus' very name means the Lord saves. So look back in verse 21. Look what he says. So he says, she will bear a son and you'll call his name Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save people from his sins. You know what he was saying? The angel was telling him, you're going to name Jesus because he's going to fulfill his very name. He's going to save people from their sins. The very meaning of his name is he saves. The Lord saves. And Jesus' name Yeshua is what he lives up to and what he lives out. Is Jesus the Prince of Peace? Absolutely. Is Jesus a healer? Absolutely. Did Jesus do many things? Absolutely. But what we know Jesus above all else is for being the Savior of the world. And that means that a relationship with Jesus cannot be understood unless you see him as the one who rescues you. That is the essence of who he is. I'm a rescuer. Son, from your very birth, you're going to be a rescuer. You're going to save people from their sins. And so because the very essence of Jesus' name is to rescue, and Jesus understood this, Jesus' time, his energy, always went back to that core identity of who he was, the savior of the world. When you look around in the scriptures, when you look around in the New Testament, you see that the way that Jesus used his time and energy always came back to that core identity of being a savior. In Mark chapter one, verses 36 through 38, it's it's crazy. You've been in this situation. It says they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came. I can't get caught up in all that. I know who I am. I can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't fool with y'all today. You see, my name is Jesus. Oh, you don't know what I mean? Oh, let me break it down for you. Whenever you say my name, it reminds me of why I exist. Whenever we proclaim the name of Jesus, We're proclaiming that this world needs a savior. His very name, Jesus. He allowed God to name him, brand him, put his identity on him. And he never let himself get too far away. Though he did great things, he knew the one thing he must do. He must live out the calling of God over his life to be his very name. I wonder if you'd want to say what Jesus said towards the end of his life. Look what Jesus says toward the end of his life. Look what he says in John 17, 4. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Bang! Imagine at the end of your life, when you're lying there on a bed and the oxygen is breathing for you and you can't breathe for yourself and your grandchildren are all around you and they say, Grandpa, Grandma, tell us one thing that you could say before you go. Just what's one thing? Baby, I glorified the Lord while I was on earth and I accomplished the work he gave me to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, beyond money, beyond houses, beyond anything else you give and pass down to the next generation beyond you, wouldn't it be awesome if you left a legacy of faithfulness to the Lord? I did everything God called me to do. Isn't that good when you like, you know, I was not a good student. So me and Syllabus has had a complicated relationship. So 90% of the time, when I walked into class, it was, I, was, I was like, oh, did, you, did you do it? And it's like, this is what happened. That was always my, but didn't it feel good when you're prepared and you're like, I, d- I am so prepared for this moment. I did everything I was supposed to do. Pop quiz, midterm, bi- I'm ready because I've done everything I was supposed to do. And I want you to live with the end in mind. Our church is so young that you may think that your youth is almost a a picture of eternity. You will die. Your end will come. And because your end will come, because you have a deadline, wouldn't it be good now to be prepared? Prepared in such a way where you could say, I did everything. I don't have, I, I just don't have a lot of regrets. <laughs> um, you know, I was, uh, I was with some of my homeboys, you know, I went to high school with, and you know, they know I'm a pastor, so they, you know, they, they try not to cuss, and you know, they, all, they always say God, you know, they say God at the weirdest times, they're just like, oh, my ankle, but God is gonna heal. I'm like, just listen, just, <laughs> can we just have a conversation? But, so, we're talking, and, um, and they're like, yeah, you know, James, we know you're a Christian and all, but what, what, what's, what's some of your biggest regrets? And I was like, man, well, you know, um, in college, I, you know, I was wilding out. Da, da, da. Uh, after you know, I got married. And, and then once I started walking with the Lord, I was trying to think. And I almost wanted to make stuff up. I always wanted to make some stuff up just to kind of like be, you know, just misery loves company. So, but I was kind of like, I actually. I just don't have a lot of regrets. And they're like, oh, cause of God. It's like it's It's not like that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not better than you. No, but it was just like I don't I don't have no regrets. But here's why. I, I just think um I I really try to do what the Bible says to do. And I let godly people speak into my life. And I've been doing that since I was 24 years old. And I just don't have a lot of regrets. And I'm sorry that you, you know, you have run into all these obstacles. But I just stand on the back of giants. The word of God is my foundation. And I trust in the Lord with all my heart. And I don't lean on my own understanding. I acknowledge him in all my ways and he has made my path straight, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. I memorized that verse at 21 and I just believed it. I don't have a lot of regrets. I got a great wife. She's bad. She's sick today. But she's a great wife. And he who findeth a good wife findeth a good thing and favor with the Lord. I have great children. I have great children. I don't have some new book I read, I'm reading the ancient one. And I'm just doing what God told me to do. Don't you want that as your testimony? Not just at the end of the year, how was your year? I did everything God called me to do this year. I, I just did, I, I, look, I, I was confused about some things, but I prayed about it and I did this, and I'm still working with things out, but I really feel like at the end of this year, I did everything he, had, he, he would have me to do. If you cannot answer that in 2016, don't think it'll change in 2036. Begin today. Begin today. Begin today. Begin today with re- 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 reevaluating who you are and whose you are so that you can have that testimony did everything he wanted me to do. What is our danger to the massive impact we could have? What is the danger? The great danger that lurks behind us is that you are trying to have other things name you. You see, it'll get better when I get married, and the real problem of my life is that there's no good men out here, and if there were some good men, I'd be married, and if I was married, I'd be happy, and if I was happy, I'd be doing everything I feel like I was designed to do, but because I'm not married, I'm not living out my design, and because I'm not living out my design, I really don't feel purposeful, and things aren't working the way they should. You know there was an interview I was on, and I just didn't get the job, but if I would gotten that job. Whew. You see, because what you want is for them to call you executive, you're an executive, or they wanna say you get the job, you're now an actor or an actress, you're a singer or you're a leader, and they want to, you want to hear them call you that, and when they call you that, it's gonna give you a name. It's gonna make you feel like you're someone And you're gonna get your identity from the brand and the voice of people so that you can feel like you have words. And you are chasing the echo of other voices trying to place a name on you. And it doesn't stop. It never stops. You hear me? It never stops. I have counseled in one week a mother, a single person, and a college student. And they were all looking at one another thinking they would be fulfilled. The college student was looking at this woman who was accomplished and said, if I could just get out of school. Woo! I get out of school, boy. If I get out of this school, it's gonna be I'm on. I'm gonna really be in it. If I just get out of this season, Well, the, the other girl was i just got to get married i got everything i want i got the job <laughs> see i got to get married cuz i need you know I, I feel like i'd come home and we would get that time together and just talk and it would just <sighs> and then the the married woman is like i just need some time I could just, look, 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 look. Listen now, I just need some time because I want to go back to school. And I just, I just really, woo, Lord put, come on Jesus. And I've literally been in a week, and I, I've said, I, like, the next season's not gonna save you. And you're trying to get your identity from a new season. Not the same old savior. You're, you're, you're trying to, do you, you understand? And and the, and the reason why I must preach this. In other words, I can't just counsel you. In this. I have to preach this because I've said these things to people. They say amen, but they walk away unchanged. Marketing executives build their Worth. They they build their entire resume on getting you to want things you don't really need and saturating your mind in the illusion of the next thing. And you're chasing a name. You're chasing it. But be careful. Because if you say amen, you walk away and you don't listen, don't worry about me and what I'm saying. The person that might be opposing you, getting your great name may be the Lord himself. Genesis chapter 11. They said, come, we're gonna, be- ourselves a city and, and a tower. It's gonna reach up to heaven. It's nothing like it, man. It's gonna be incredible. And let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed all over the face of the whole earth, man, we gotta stay together. We gotta make a name. We're gonna make the city. And some of you have read the rest of the story. The Lord was like, what, is, what y'all doing? and he just blows away all their plans. Not because building a tower was bad, but building a tower in your name, in your own name. Better be careful. The very person you're praying to to build your great tower may be the very one to knock it down. Why are you doing what you do? Lord, do you, do, you, do you ever sit back and think, why do I spend my time the way I spend it? Do you ever sit back and think, who am I doing this for? Do you ever, do you ever sit back and think, what if they don't recognize it? Will I still do it? In other words, if, if no one, if, if, if the tower never got built, was it still worth the effort? Do you have a cause? you have something that is so powerful to your soul that even if it didn't get accomplished, it was worth it? Because of the why. Because who told you to do it? Whose name are you building your great resume on today? Whose name are you building it for? Whose name do you want to be heard from in the earth? Is it yours? Are you building your own great name? Jesus Christ from Nazareth, a poor boy, blue collar worker for a dad and a blue collar himself, a carpenter, and for 30 years of his life, insignificant the people of his town didn't even know his name isn't that Joseph's boy you would think if he was such a big deal and he was a carpenter we would have some of his carpentry in a museum we ain't got no Jesus tables But after 30 years of insignificance, he had three years of maximum impact. And you feel like you are dying from one year of people not knowing your name. You've got one year full of comparisons on social media. One year full of looking at the life, resume, and names of other people. And in one year of that, you wonder why you exist. Jesus, for 30 years, was nobody but for three years. His time came. And he gave himself. And people are like, yeah, I want to make maximum impact. I want you to know he died. Just want you to... Maximum impact for Jesus was dying a a, a horrific death for the sake of others. And you say amen and you worship because it was worth it. How can I find my name? How can I be the man, the woman God called me to be as I look? at the end of this year, how can I be that person? John 1 and 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I was uh, pastoring a church in 2010, and I had grown so weary preaching and leading and doing all the things that a pastor would do. And I remember I said, I need some time off. And a good friend of mine said, James, take your time away. And I remember, i never forget. He said, man, and, and while you're away, make sure no one calls you, make sure no one is asking you for anything. He said, James, just for a few days, just be a child of God. And I remember that because I wanted so badly to be something. And you all see my daughter on Sundays and I just, I just hold her. Because my daughter Sophia is not trying to be anything. She's just, but she knows, it's so amazing, it's so amazing. She's going through this stage right now where when, when my wife leaves the room, she starts tripping. And it's fascinating because that used to happen with me and then something got transferred. But, so now, now, all she wants to do is be held. She wants to eat and be held. And that's it. She, she actually doesn't even know what clothes are. And when you're just a child, You just want the presence of your father and you you want him to meet your needs. And some of you, you're really not sure if you're a child of God. You're really not sure. Some of you this year have created compartments for your faith and you've got church over here, and you've got other stuff over here, and you're really not sure of who you are. And what I wanna tell you is that Christ, he fulfilled his name. He came to save, and he came to rescue you from the journey of trying to figure out constantly who you are. He came to take ownership of you, He came to name you. He came to hold you. He came to be the very presence you long for. He came, he died, he resurrected, and he is alive. And so because he's alive, his presence, his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit creates this connection we have now where I don't have to long for the voice of all the people trying to name me, he speaks. He speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks through times of prayer. He, he, he still speaks to me and ministers to me and he'll minister to you, but you need a greater sense of Christ in your life this year. Going into 2017, as our brother said, it was amazing, He said, going into next year, you've got goals, great. You're reevaluating your goals, great. But seek the kingdom above all else. Seek the king, because he is the very thing your heart is longing for. He died realizing that's what your heart hungered for. And when it all, when it's all done, when you walk out of the job and you put your headphones on, you're on the train, you're scrunched in around all those people, looking away and not making eye contact. And there's no one really to connect with. You're crowded by so many people. And you would think in a city like this, with all these people and all these means of connection, there would be this great intimacy. But it has been what I have found is that New York City city folk are some of the loneliest people in the world. It's what you could call crowded loneliness, surrounded but desperate. When you're on the train and there's no one else around, you can just be a child of God and just be in his presence. That's your name, child. And that's what he says to you, my child. You are my child. You are my child. That's what he says to you today. And it is through accepting the work of Christ that you enter into the adoption of God. You say, well, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, but there's so much more I wanna do, though. I mean, I've got these plans. I've got these things I've been thinking about and dreaming about. I feel for us in this generation, as I talked about, we have so much comparison, and, 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 and there's so much we try to contrast with what other people are doing, and man, and I see it in pastors too. I just came back from this pastor's conference, and they, yeah, doc, how you do this, and oh, no, tell me about your social media, doc, and all this, I'm like, man, why is doc the preacher word, first of all, but secondly, man, just do what God is telling you to do. Just just do what God is telling you to do. What we did was what God told me to do. I just did what he did. Don't be a voice, not an echo. Don't try to do what I do. Don't try to do the things I did. Do what God has called you to do. And here's what I want to tell you. Instead of striving to be like someone else, Instead of striving to be in the latest and greatest because we're so so informed that everything's a fad and we can just throw ideas and concepts on like they're clothes, Instead of being all these things, be devoted. Give your time, your talent, and your treasure to Christ. In other words, one, be a child of God. Let that name you. But secondly, be devoted to your father. Fully devoted this year. So in other words, one of the greatest things you can reevaluate is not how great you were at your job, is not where you're working, how successful you can be. The greatest thing you can reevaluate is your devotion to the Lord. And I just want to give you everything this year. And I'm looking back tonight, did I give you everything? In 2017, I want to give you everything. And it is while you are on the mission of God, i.e., you are doing the thing that God sent you to do, in the midst of that, you will discover dynamic gifts and skills that the Holy Spirit will equip you to do the work he's called you to do. Yeah. It is in the midst of following that Simon becomes Peter. Peter. It is in the midst of following that Abram becomes Abraham and Sarai becomes Sarah. It is in the midst of following and devotion that God renames you and rebrands you. In the midst of that, so that you would do what he's called you to do. So many people want the fruit, but we don't want to go and plant the seeds of the harvest. Listen, it's such tough work. just to discover who God has called you to be. It's such great work. But loving God and loving people, that's what life is about. And every year, you should look back and you should put on a piece of paper, love God, line down the middle, love people. How did I do that this year? And the key to living a life of grace is not going into 2017 like, here we go. I sucked last year. This year, I'ma love God. I'ma love God more. I'ma love people more. Come on, hope for Christ, and then you want to just be this incredible thing. And what I'm telling you, it is not by trying to get some great strength. It is actually by admitting the great weaknesses you have. It is you will you will become great. By dying to yourself. Matthew 10, 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You hear what the brilliant, wise, impactful Jesus said? If you will lose your life, if you will just not even care about the reputation you have in terms of what people are saying, but truly love God. If you lose your life, you'll find it. You'll find it. And isn't that what's happening today? You're searching for your name. You're searching to make a name. He says if you will spend less energy on your look, and your resume, and what people think and say about you, and you spend more time, and you think about what I've already said about you, and you think about my words, and you meditate on my ways, and you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. If you would acknowledge me in all your ways, I'll make your paths as we close. This year, at Long Island University, a young man passed away. It was very sad. He was a freshman. They asked me to come and do a prayer at a memorial service on campus. I walked in And the leadership of the school stopped me. And they said, Pastor, we know that you want to share about Jesus, but this is a school, and we have all our administrators here, so if you could just keep your prayer to kind of a general minimum, just, you know, So I said, well, how about I just read Psalm 23 and then I'll pray it out. I begin to read Psalm 23 and while I'm reading it, the entire family begins to recite it from memory. And it was like a chorus of voices. I almost wanted to look at the administrators like, y'all see this, right? Y'all see what's happening i'm just reading can't stop the lord so i'm so there's just you know valley of shadow of death i'll fear no evil and i just said lord you're here in the midst of our pain you are here and we are in this valley of the shadow of death the shadow of death is right here this young man on oh, the family was weeping and well, I, I said, in Jesus' name, and I sat down. Well, all the administrators came up. And they all said a word, very general. And then the time came at the end, and they said, we would like for you to depart and just shake the hand of the family. And the mother said, excuse me, do you mind if I say something about my young son, Edwin? It's the mom, yeah, absolutely. She said, I would like to tell you all something. I've heard so many great words about my son, and I wanna thank you for everything you have said. I wanna thank you because he was a really good young man. She said he was an angel sent from God. Then she said, but I want you to know something. If you want to see Edwin again, you need to have your sins covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Look. So at this point, I'm like, "Oh snap!" (laughs) Right? Then she's look. She didn't stop though. She says, "Cause I don't want none of y'all to go to hell," and that's where you're going if you don't know Jesus. I'm like, "Go, Jesus! Just do it! Just (laughs) blow this whole thing! Do it! You know." So it's just crazy, right? So she says that. She says that, right? It, it got, you know, it was, it was a little She had everybody pray the sinner's prayer. She was just like, pray right now. Lord, I thank you. They were like, Lord, I thank you. You know, the president of the school was like, Lord, I thank you. Wow. So they all pray the sinner's prayer. So it was crazy. So maybe people got to say, hey, maybe they didn't. Who knows? But at the end, at the end, this is what she said. This is what she said. She got up there at the end. What was found was the young man's death is still unknown. They literally do not know how he died. There is nothing from the toxicology. There's nothing from his blood. They, they, just, they do not know how he died. So she's sitting there grieving because she doesn't even know how he died. And so she gets up there. At the end of what she says, she says, thank you so much. She says, I want to say one last thing. I do not know how Edwin died. She says, and I don't know why Edwin died. She said, but I know why I'm alive. I am alive to tell you about the love of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you wanna live that way? I know why I'm I know who I am. I know whose I am. And the administrators and all the elements of the world could try to shut me down. But because God is with me, I will do what God has called me to do. I pray you reevaluate your year. We are going to have a time. Uh, we, we found that as we went through the conflict series, that it was very healthy for us to have a time of communion and prayer. I pray you go to the back. Some of you just need to say, I just want to stop living a double life. I just, I just want to have some level of integrity, and I know I won't fully do it, but I just need help. Pray over me. And then some of you just need to come to the communion time and remember the sacrifice of Jesus and remember what he did on your behalf so that you would know that the righteous run to him, that he is a refuge and that he died for you and he wants to be with you. And remember you're his child, that you're a child of God. We're gonna sing and then I'll come back up. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua, the Lord, he saves. The name of Jesus is real because he saved me. He has placed me on earth to proclaim that great name. Heavenly Father, even in this moment, would you remind us of 2016? Deepen our love for you, God. Deepen our love for people, God. And let's just take some time to be in your presence, Lord. In Christ's name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at BridgeChurchNYC or visit our website, BridgeChurchNYC.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.